you take the blue pill, this podcast never happened. Okay? You go back to waking up, nothing ever happened. You take the red pill, we go deep down the rabbit hole. What's it going to be? I think we're going down the rabbit hole, bro. I've taken the, I've been taking the red pill for the last 10 years, so it's not going to change at this point. <laughs> All righty. Let's go. <laughs> we're in. Okay. We're in it. Justin, why is social media so bad? I don't know if it's necessarily bad. I think that the business models are antiquated. And if you think about how people make money um, on every social media platform, it's taking a person's attention, repackaging it, and then selling it to an advertiser. That's the most profitable business. It's played out time and time again. Um, you know, one thing that's very interesting is you see what happens with Twitter. So Twitter gets bought by Elon about a year ago or a couple months ago. I don't know the exact date. And three days ago, he said, okay, there's going to be a new CEO coming in. And who's the CEO, right? Like if you look at her background, she's the head of advertising at NBC. So clearly like she's got the best relationships with every brand in the world. She's going to be running business operations. She's going to be building this application to be brand friendly whatever that means. Um, and so ultimately, I, th I think the business models are antiquated and the way that you make money for these services is built through a third party, an advertiser. And I just think that that's the reason that we're seeing a lot of the things around censorship for these technologies or tools or whatever you want to call it. So generally, the, the platform's business models are antiquated, um, which as a result creates algorithms that keep you addicted um, based upon echo chambers and basically push you content um, that reinforce your ideals and saying, okay, um, I like these like pretty intense videos. So I'm going to just get more of these intense videos. And generally we're very addicted to these devices and addicted to social media. Um, so I think those are the things that are, I guess, wrong or broken around social. And I mean, I'm guilty of a lot of these things myself. So Mm -hmm. And you still use it. You know deeply how correct I use it every day. social media yeah. is. <laughs> and I use it every of day. Of course. I use it every day, of course. There's Hear no, Me Dragons on the, Spotify right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's on, like I, I'm promoting my own shit. I want people <laughs> Unapologetic to freedom. my stuff. On yes, Amazon. I have a book. You can get it. Yeah, it's on, yeah of course. <laughs> or like anywhere I, you can I, buy I, a book. <laughs> I use all these things because it's, it's what's available right now. But there's also, is there a hope of a, a potential future? Can you make something a little bit different? And I'm not saying that's going to happen overnight, but the point is like building some sort of primitive tools of saying like, Hey, there's another way to do this stuff. And what is that? What is Zion? It's a good question. I, I I'm kind of asking myself that same thing every day. I don't, <laughs> I feel like I'm evolving to know what this thing actually is. So the basic premise is most people understand Zion as an app an app on the app store <coughs> but what we're really doing is we're building a platform that has a certain set of technology primitives that could build applications um, so zion right now in its current form it basically has three functions it allows you to log in using a decentralized identity which means that you own it it has a digital wallet that's native a bitcoin lightning wallet and then it has messaging that allows you to message people and and post content in these decentralized communities, et 
scale. With those primitives, you can basically build any type of application. But the first one we decided to do is like social media. So some people think of Zion as a social media company, Mm -hmm. but we're really an identity and payments company. We're trying to build these like new types of technology primitives to build any type of application. And hopefully over the next few months, you'll see a new app coming from Zion that, that, that is in social media. Um, so that's what we are kind of at, like we're a technology company that builds tools to build apps. Mm-hmm. <coughs> wow. And you can find us on Zion, Zion at A to the show. We're there right now. Um, oh, yes. You can follow Thanks, us guys. now. Yeah, exactly. You can follow us. I was trying to spam comments and to spam messages, but it didn't work. It's to hard to money. spam, man. It's hard. You gotta <laughs> it, was money. You... To sp- it was impossible. It's to impossible spam. to spam. That's so the whole point. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's exactly. we built these like we've built these interesting things to kind of stop spam and um, because everything's like a native wallet. But there are difficulties and challenge like the network effect is very real because you have to like convince people that this is better. Um, and what's very interesting is like Elon is following the strategy, right? It's like not that he's following my strategy. I don't I, like I don't claim to have this like genius thing. It's just like this always happens in the world where something happens. Everyone realizes that needs to be a solution. And then a bunch of people try to tackle the problem. So Twitter is, I I would almost guarantee that in the next few months or weeks, Twitter will launch a native wallet. All the same features that we have will be in Twitter because the ethos of the world is that something like this should exist. And then it exists. That's how it happens all the time. If you have an idea for something, and then six months later, you find out, oh, my God, someone actually went and did that. It's because the collective consciousness is around this reality. A mm-hmm. social network with a native wallet that has decentralized messaging and spam prevention, probably going to exist, logically speaking, where you could buy stuff, probably going to exist. <laughs> so you, you mentioned also like you have to convince people to join this platform. How do you gain people's trust so that they can join? Our strategy right now is to use creators to do that and use influencers, quote unquote. Um, it hasn't, um, we haven't really started that strategy yet. We have obviously some very, um, Zion's blessed to have like some really influential investors involved in the project. And so our next step is just to have them talk about it and say, hey, this is something that exists. This is something that I'm a part of and you should probably go and join this. Okay. But that's, that's to me, influencer marketing is, is a great strategy. It's, it's, it's where my background comes from. So I think it's a great strategy uh, because you need the creators. The creators are the, the tool that allow people to say, hey, I want to be on this thing. Okay. Because the, they have the trust. Because the creators have, yeah. Because they have the yeah, trust. They have the audience. I mean, effectively, it's, they have the audience. They have the eyeballs that will move people. And, but you have to make a better product. I mean, that's the, the thing that's very hard, I think, in the social media business or even in the app business generally is that these companies have so much talent. They have so many people that are just ingrained and the amount of capital it takes and people it takes to build a very, very, very good addictive, <laughs> addictive product is uh, very hard. And so um, as a startup, you have to just try new avenues new features new strategies and and hope people come well um just personally justin i love what you're doing i think 
One of the curses of our modern day age is um, advertising and behavior manipulation, right? And we've seen it. And that's what social media does. It's trying to influence you. It's trying to influence how you think. It's trying to influence your worldview. It's quite literally the matrix. Okay. And it feels so ingrained right now. Like if you're watching a movie, there's ads popping up, right? Like our whole system is based on advertisers. Totally. Our, <laughs> um, how, how do we escape it? I mean, I know your um, platform is one way to escape it, but it feels like it's the whole world versus Zion right now. No, I don't know about the whole world. I, I think there's people trying to do things like this. They're just very small communities of people. Um, it's not really done at scale. Um, I think the question is, what is the best thing for society? And my feeling is that censorship and manipulation through advertising and disinformation through content is not a good thing for society. That's just like my general premise. So the question is, can you build systems that allow you to detract from that? And that's what Zion's attempting to do. It, we're, we're attempting to build a system, a set of primitives, an application that hopefully people are like, wow, I feel a little bit more free here to, to be myself, to, to share the things that I actually matter without worrying about something being turned off. Um, I'm, I'm looking for something that will allow for cross-border payments. Do you, do you guys have Zion on your phones? Yeah, I do have Zion. Why, why don't, this you is kind of cool. This, this is kind of cool. Why don't you go to your wallet and request yeah. 10,000 10, Satoshis? And put the QR code up right on the screen. All right, let's do this. Yeah, let's do this. I just think this, this part. Yeah. Satoshi is 100 million Satoshis is one Bitcoin. So we use uh, the app is built on the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Um, okay. Now, let me bring it closer. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Uh, don't move. There we go. Look at your phone. Bang bang, 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 Show us, Haj. Yeah! Look at that! Oh, yeah! Fast. Fucking works. That was pretty It works. The connection is great. Yeah, it works. Like, And that's money. That's real money. That's not like some... Where do you where do you live? You're in LA. I'm in Austin. Like, moving money at the speed of light across the world. I was doing this in Egypt for people. I was like, like... I was tipping people in lightning on my boat. Like it was just like, Hey, get a Zion wallet. And I was just giving them all Bitcoin and it works. It just works. It's magic, it's magic so money purchase on the market. Um, it depends if someone has lightning enabled, right? If you have a lightning enabled service, like if you go to the country of El Salvador, you can use Zion to buy almost anything in every store. Cause they accept Bitcoin as legal tender. Yeah, that's true. Wow. So I was just buying coffees every day on with with the wallet. So the thing that's different is that it's this interoperable wallet that works with like 200 different applications. Like you could use Cash App and I I think that's the thing that to me is is the most exciting for sure. So right. going on to legal tender, um I don't know if you've heard about the UK eventually wanting to adopt their own um virtual currency. Yeah, a CBDC. Yeah. Um I feel like that would be a bit more centralized, correct? Yeah, I mean, cent had, central bank digital currency. Exactly. To um, totally centralized. And How will that there, compete against Zion? Um, I don't know if the, that competes against Zion generally. It's just that a CBDC, and, and I would say it's more like CBDC versus Bitcoin, if you have this two parallels. Mm -hmm. 
is that I think it's quite a dangerous thing to basically have a central bank be the authority for an individual. Um, and they actually know everything you spend your money on. Like right now there's an intermediary. It's a, the central bank prints money and gives it to banks and then banks give it to you. So the banks yeah. are the intermediary. Um, but if the central bank was just issuing the currency, it's, it's, I think it's a little bit different. But at the same time, like most of our currency is digital anyway right now. Mm-hmm. The only thing is that we're not tying like bank accounts to wallets and not every transaction is being tracked um, mm-hmm. where it is, on, it, it is on Bitcoin now. So I don't know. I, I, I think that it's a challenge to Bitcoin. But the thing to think about is, is how is this monetary network different? There's a fixed supply. Um, it's a mar, mar, far more superior network to move money across borders. Um, it allows you to move things instantly, like we just did. It allows right. for finite instant settlement. There's all these primitives that just make Bitcoin better money. It's it's a better engineered money. It's a hardened money. It's a it's a better way to move value over space and time. I think that's what. Bitcoin as an instrument does very well. Um, we just saw like what we just did was the ability to move Bitcoin over space very efficiently, Instant. um, yeah. instantly over space, so space being the, being the physical reality. And then the next question is, can you move it over time effectively? And right now, dollars are very ineffective at moving over time because you'll lose 100% of the value of a dollar in the next 50 years. That's just... That's what it's done over the last 50 years. It'll probably continue to do that with inflation. So the question is, what can you have that moves it effectively over time? And Bitcoin becomes that because it's a deflationary monetary instrument that allows you to move money and, and effectively save more effectively over time. It's digital energy. It's really what it is. Bitcoin's digital energy. So a question about the concept of decentralization. I I agree with it. I recommend applying that i have even like in debates back in university i said that in lebanon for example we could use a bit more decentralization in the way we run our government um but at the same time looking at it it can also have a different like a negative effect which is when you separate people into different communities and give them the freedom to do whatever they want sometimes they can isolate themselves from others and they can just basically create their own bubble for themselves and not interact with others. I, I wanted to ask your opinion on that. So I don't necessarily understand the question. Okay. So I'll give you an example. We were once sitting in class and we were talking about the concept of decentralization within Lebanon, where every person would separate, they would separate the country into states just like the US and everyone would run their own their country their own way but the thing is mm-hmm. we have multiple sects so let's say the sects are their own communities okay you know so like on Zion you have the content creators who create their own content and their own communities people that follow exactly on their, their own communities sure. wouldn't these communities maybe kind of separate themselves from others yep and, and what's is, is and- that a negative thing in your opinion I, I think that that's like tribalism is actually how we've always been raised as a species. Like this yes, idea yeah. that we're like, like generally that we're like this large country population. It, 
it's never actually worked, right? Like things are done in states, district, mayors, smaller communities of hundreds, if not thousands of people. This is how we've always <laughs> interacted. I mean, there's so many books out there that talk about you can only have this many friends or you can only have this many in your tribe or you can only know this many people effectively. So that was our that was my premise to say I, I don't think an open network is the right decision. I think that the way you build a network is like an organism. Yeah. You build it like a multiple sets of communities. The cells are part of clusters of parts of the body, like an arm is an arm and a leg is a leg and a head is a head, your brain is your brain, your eye is your eye. And then they have specific tasks to make the organism continue and move forward. But it's not like one body, right? Yes, you have one body as a whole, as a planet, but it's all these micro communities that are actually how we interact. You know, we don't, okay. we follow a subset of individuals. So do I think that's effective? Yes. That's why I, I, my instinct was to build Zion in a way of like around community. That was my instinct. Mm. Mm -hmm. Would you say you're trying to make the communities maybe interdependent? I don't know what, I mean, not necessarily interdependent. No, mm -hmm. not particularly. Okay. Independent more than interdependent. Okay. Free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, some version of it. I think yeah. it's quite interesting that I think an interesting part of this application is that once you create this digital identity, decentralized identity in particular, I can't turn you off. I can't delete your identity off of its existence on the internet. And I think that's really interesting. I don't know, like, you know, tomorrow... Elon could delete me off the face of Twitter with one keystroke right. and I will disappear. Yeah. And there's nothing I can do about it, by the way. And that, that exists on Instagram, Facebook. Like, there's nothing YouTube. I can do about it. YouTube, yeah. all of them. We've I been copy strike on YouTube for no reason. <laughs> can... We got literally a strike for no reason. They said we did COVID misinformation. It was, we did not talk about COVID in that episode. But there's Adi, nothing we can do about it. It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did we get copy striked as well for reviewing ourselves on one episode? Yeah, exactly. We just were like <laughs> reviewing. Our, we were talking about our uh, podcast and such, and we got copy strike, and the strike's still on our channel, and we didn't do yeah. anything. And uh, that we can review it, and I'm worried because all our podcasts are on YouTube. That's where we have it. The last thing I'd ever want is for it to be shut down and we lose our whole podcast. <clears throat> it's a bummer. I mean, that's why RSS for podcasts I think is quite effective and important is that no one can turn off an RSS feed and that. I see. The the key is the last leg of the distribution, right? It's it's the it's you can get the content somewhere, but how do people see it? And what centralized social media companies have done is they've monopolized the attention at the last screen. That's what they've done very well. It's that you mm -hmm. know the last way you interact with this thing is on some centralized service that becomes an aggregator. So the question is how do you build an alternative service that does that more effectively? And it's I will say it's very hard. It's very, very, very hard. But oh, wow. the hope is that we do more of these kinds of conversations and like one person and then two people and then four and then eight and 16 and 32. They just tell a friend like, hey, this thing exists. I see. Well, um, I had a question about regulation um, in general. I used to be not into regulation and then um, I've been learning more about AI and now I'm a bit worried with the birth of AI um this year it's really coming to a snowball um, yeah. what are your thoughts on ai and the effect of ai on zion and regulating ai um well what i think about ai 
and AGI in particular is that I think it makes us a little bit more effective. I mean, I, I can write a blog post in hours versus days, or mm -hmm. I can, you know, it, may, it, it should make engineers 10 times more effective um, in what they do. So I'm very interested in that. I'm very interested in how that plays out for the world and, and how that makes life more effective um, for industry. In terms of regulation of AI, I don't know, man. It's a really hard problem to solve. I, th I think the cat's out of the bag. So this thing already exists. People obviously use it. I'm not a, I don't know. I don't know much about regulation. It's never been something that I spent a lot of time or in my industry. I've, I've kind of been on the outside of stuff. I've been trying stuff outside <laughs> of centralized systems for a long time, like bend the rules, figure it out. Uh, I'm pro-regulation, obviously. Mm -hmm. There should be rules for shit. Um, but I don't know the answer, I, especially AI. Like it's, that stuff is so complicated and I'm, it's, it's, I'm not smart enough to actually be able to give insight on these guys. <laughs> Just being honest, super Just honest. Just create a social media app off of, um, you know, cryptocurrency and such. Um, how does I'm, I'm an idiot for the most part. <laughs> like, like I'm an idiot for the most part. And I, I say that very truthfully. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I mean, because I'm just thinking about the dangers of AI and um, it displacing people and it maybe influencing the way we think in the same way that, like, for example, who's picking the next video, right? Like, who's the algorithm? I'm looking, I'm watching YouTube videos. Someone's sending me the next video, right? The next Instagram reel. Okay. Who is that? And you're, are you using that for Zion? Does Zion have its own kind of algorithm in AI? No, no. Right now, it's just ordering by date and we're adding a new thing of like sats so if someone is boosting content more effectively um that's another ordering thing that we're doing but everything's not built on just feed you more stuff because there's no open feed it's that you go into the communities the communities you're part of would order the content that's the way that the ordering currently works is is by time and stats I see. So there's no real like algorithm AI in the not at, point, not at this point. Yeah. Not at this point. Mm -hmm. Not at this point. Not at this point. But if, probably in the future we would need to develop that. I see. So what's your vision of Zion moving forward? Um, what are the biggest your biggest goals? Your biggest obstacles? I think the for us is that it's building these set of primitives that people can build applications, mm. and for me. It's a series of tools that allow people to build communities, to have a native digital wallet, to be able to freely exchange. Um, I think in the future, the ability to vote, perhaps for things inside of a community. I think it's just like to be a place where you can be yourself and, and try to make decisions for society. Mm -hmm. I think that the one thing is that the, the centralized systems are very good at scale and distribution, mm. but I don't know if they're great at community building. I like, I don't go to Twitter and feel like, wow, I'm so connected. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't, I just don't feel that. I don't like, I, I go there. I don't feel like that on Instagram. I just, or YouTube. I YouTube is like my university. I go there to learn. Instagram is just there to like scroll and put up some videos Twitter is there to go watch people argue about something and go get the news. But I just don't feel like any of these places really drive community. And, and my, my thing is to drive community and really create 
a digital version of the community. And even Elon says is like, Twitter is the town square. Like the town square is where you go to listen to stuff. It's yeah. not where you go to like, you know, like Zion to me is like the living room. It's this, the, the stoa. It's the place where you go to like meet your community and like really dive deep in a conversation. That's why in a community, for example, we built this chat room feature so people can talk about things inside of a chat room because we felt yeah. like what people want to do in a community is talk to each other. So you need to build a tool that allows people to talk to each other. And then you need a bulletin board for them to share the most important things within the community. Those, those are the things that I thought was most effective of why we built the product in that way. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like Reddit in a sense, right? I, I use Reddit a lot. and I've uh, never used Reddit, actually. I don't oh, wow. know. <laughs> I would um, actually. Reddit is awesome. I would disagree, Adi, because you, you also. So uh, what Justin was saying is correct about the communication part, the the chat rooms where you actually have to speak to create a community. Because in the end, to build the community, you also have to share the ideas in real life. You know, and this is this is where, like, for me, my old my old school mentality kind of applies, where I just want to talk to people. And I find that very helpful on Discord, so where I can actually talk to people, and then they, because they can actually hear my voice, they can talk, they can tell me on the spot what they think of my opinion or what they think of what I'm saying. You know, we can mm -hmm. relate a bit more. We mm -hmm. don't have to see each other, but the the point of where you can talk in the moment really it creates a different type of bond than when, when you send a I message see. and you wait for the person to reply. Mm -hmm. totally. And that's a more of a community and it makes you feel um, better about using it as opposed to we're talking about YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all these things make you have bad mental health, comparing yourself to others, anxiety, you know, suicide, all these things that have led from social media. Um, what Discord and what Zion is trying to do is the opposite, right? It's trying to give you maybe be more empowered, make you feel better about yourself. Um, I think so. We're using it. Yeah, you think so? I think so. so. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think so. I, th I mean, that's that's the instinct I have. I, I want to build something that's good for the world. That's my general goal. So what's your title, Justin? Is Are you the supreme leader of Zion? Terrible, terrible name. Terrible. What would you nickname uh, yourself? My, my, my pronouns are his holiness. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so a no, bit of a re I, religion just, aspect to it. Uh, no. It's, it's, That's how you know joke. Justin is creating his joke. cult. You know. <laughs> the best businesses are cults. I just want to point that out. I do the not best, disagree with you, to be honest. Yeah. The best. Yeah, the best business so called, and the best companies are benevolent dictatorships. No, I mean, look, I'm just the founder of the company, and um, on paper, I'm the chief. CEO, but I play a lot so, of roles. I'm like product mm -hmm. and engineering a little bit. And I'm just making a bunch of decisions. Could you elaborate a bit more about uh, the concept of the cult? Um, what do you mean the concept of a cult? So you said like uh, the best, uh, sorry, what did you say was the best thing for cults? Oh. <laughs> I remember, I know, I know you said the best business. The best, communi the best communities are cults. The, no, yeah. but the best businesses are benevolent dictatorships. Exactly. If you look at some of the best companies in the world, they're typically operated by founders that have a clear vision mm -hmm. and that 
kind of run in autonomy. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg. For the most part, these operators run on their own. There's no one that can out-decision their decisions and they make good ones and they make bad ones, but they just continue forward. Those are the most successful companies out there. Founder-led benevolent dictatorships. So I think that that's an effective ruling strategy for a company. I'd argue it's probably an effective ruling strategy for a country. I think democracies are generally inefficient. Um, They don't actually work or they actually don't exist in some cases. So the concept of a benevolent dictatorship seems to be the most effective way to rule a society in some ways. And um, that's why they ruined the Middle East with the the Arab Spring. That was, (laughs) we we should have kept the dictators, man. We needed them to stay. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if it's tricky. I think it's just looking at the data. I think that what is, mm-hmm. what does the data tell you is that, you know, the people that often overthrow, they're like, we have to end this. We have to end this. And then they're in power. They're like, what do we do now? Exactly. They don't know what to do. Like they just don't know what to do. Cause it's not easy to run a country. It's not easy to run like a company. It's not easy to, and usually the people that do it most effectively are the ones that have been trained for a long time to do it. Or, or this is all they've done. Like, I think I'd argue like one of the reasons I think I somewhat know how to run a company is because it's all I've done for 10 years. Hmm. For the last 10 years, I've been operating businesses, my own companies only for 10 years. And I don't know shit. I'm, I'm for the most part an idiot. But if someone's going to start their company tomorrow, I don't think that because they read um, five books and they read uh, Druckenmeier and they read like that they read all these things or they went to business school that they're going to be more effective in running a company because they went and yeah. no, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's just like operational experience and just seeing it, seeing the pain and like remembering the pain of that moment. And how did you transcend that moment of pain? I think that's the way that you operate. And that's probably what's happening in these organizations and countries as well. Yeah. I, I don't have, I don't have a comment on the Arab spring thing in particular, but you're probably right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, yeah. Like the term, the terminology that uh, the term that comes to my mind when you say benevolent uh, dictator is uh, philosopher king. I don't know if you've heard that before. Mm. Um, and I feel so. These people are capable of doing so much, but there's always going to be like a, a portion of the po- population that's just going to be against them, just because they can't accept that these people might uh, have the best intentions or they just, you know, they're a bit paranoid and just don't want to trust. Totally. And it makes sense. Humans are distrustful. You know, they want to, Mm -hmm. and there's just a series. I think there's generally a series of human beings that are like that. They're like, Oh, this, they're not, um, they don't think of the good in the world. They're like, everything is bad. You know, those kinds of people in your life that you've heard like, oh, this is bad. Everything is bad. This ruler is bad. It's like nothing's ever good. You can't make those individuals happy. They're generally unhappy on the inside. So how do you fight them? I don't. I think, first of all, I don't know. I don't think that most of those people have souls. I think they're NPCs. (laughs) I think that there's, I'm fully fully convinced 
I'm fully mm-hmm. convinced of this this idea that there's a small group of individuals that aren't really individuals that are just walking around this planet as non-player characters. And some people refer to them as they don't have souls. I don't know if that's like the right term. I think everyone has a soul in some aspect, but they're just eyes are glazed over. You couldn't have a, you could not speak to them. That's the the truth. Like you're not going to have a podcast. You're not going to have a dialogue. There's nothing to talk about. They're just walking around playing the game. And some people argue it's 70% of the population that they just like watch television they they repeat what they're saying whatever is said about the covid vaccine you the unvaccinated what whatever that story narrative is from the press they just regurgitate that and that's what they follow because they're just npcs they don't have this ability to think for themselves so i don't even i don't even try to engage with individuals like that it's not even it doesn't make sense it's not how did you, how did you engage yeah, with just, people like that as well? Um, it's, it's yeah, it's really you know it's a challenging one because I understand most people are super flawed, including myself, you know, and um, yeah, but how are we supposed to go towards a better future, you know, if we don't bring in those that um, don't that they're gonna follow it in the matrix. They're gonna follow anyway. It doesn't matter. They're I gonna see. follow so, anyway. So said the example. They're NPCs. Then, they're they're programmed to follow, not lead. Oof. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean by programming here? What do you mean? All right. So I got here right behind me the Matrix. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> this is going it's a bit the, too deep right now. <laughs> this is one of the be- it's one of the best documentaries ever made. <laughs> yeah. One of the best We're- documentaries. End of story. Mm-hmm. What, yeah, do, exactly. what do I? What do you mean? But why do I mean? What do you mean? No, and yeah, I understand. Like we're being programmed through big tech, through big companies, through financial institutions. I'm not being programmed by anything. No, no, I, I disagree. I think there's a series of human beings that are programmed. I'm definitely not. Maybe a little bit, but no, fuck that. Okay, how do you do that then, Justin? How do you not get programmed? Critic- no, I mean it's it's just be aware that the programming exists. I see. Like be fully aware that this exists. And I think there's some people that deny it. They're like, oh, there's no programming. It's just they're just sharing the best thing for society or just follow the thing or follow the narrative or get vaccinated. Or like it's all the same thing. It's just like, of course not. It's what it's what the government says you should do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do the fucking opposite. Like whatever, whatever, whatever is happening, like think of like, actually, like, is that the right thing? Like that doesn't really make sense. And then do the opposite. But there's some people that just follow the narrative. And personally, I'm just not interested in following that narrative. Mm -hmm. So um, what narratives do you follow, Justin? I'm curious. What are your inspirations (laughs) for Zion, for your music, for how? Yeah, I think music, music. Music mm-hmm. to me is like it's I spend a lot of time in my job, my work, and that's very like a certain type of like analytical brain that I have to follow. And music, I'm in my studio right now. I have decks here, my speakers are up here. It just allows me to get out of my mind and try something new. And I think the mathematics behind music to me is fascinating. How keys work together, 
how two songs can blend, how an instrument can bring your mood up and bring it down. I've been DJing a lot. Like the interesting power of a DJ on a dance floor is a very fascinating experience to me as like to learn that as a social experiment and what energies and songs bring up the vibe, what brings down the vibe and what you play for a certain time. I think it's just a fascinating process. I think it's just a very mm -hmm. fascinating process. And I've been DJing for longer than I've had been running companies since 2010. I've always wow. had a CDJ sitting in my house somewhere. So it's kind of a... Um, what's the difference between a good DJ and a bad DJ, would you say? Because there's tons of DJs. How do you become a good one? Uh, so if you're playing, what I've noticed is that people play what they want to play for their own ego instead of playing for the time the energy and for the people that they're playing for. I think that's like the two distinct differences. I see this a lot where you go to this party at like 10 o'clock and it's just starting and there's an opening DJ and he's playing these songs that should be played for a headliner at one in the morning. And you're just like, what are you? What? And it's more, it's inexperience. It's ego. It's like, Oh, I want to play this song. Cause everyone's going to dance. Like it's not the right time. And I'm, by the way, super guilty of that. I, I used to do and play. And as as early as like a year ago, I was just like playing stuff. I was like, wow, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And now I've just become way more aware of the crowd. And you're there. I think it's the, the concept of to be in and of service. You're there to be of service. You are there to perform a thing, to create it, an experience for everyone in the room, not just for you to like, push this button and play this one song and make sure like, you know, cause you like the song and you're in that energy. It's not about you. It's about them. Be Adi, of service. Adi. Be of service. Yes. You, would you like to share your, uh, your uh, DJ set, your music? Oh, I, I should send you my DJ set later. Justin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. I do a bit of DJing, not too much. Um, okay. Yeah, what kind fun. of music do you play? What kind of music? Do I you like play? electronic music. I like specifically what, like what, Eurobeat, high BPM music, hard style, like, something like, like hard style techno. Yeah, exactly. Just like 140, like, 140 BPM. Yeah, that's the minimum right there. <laughs> 140 is the minimum. <laughs> Damn, dog. Guys dropping heart attacks on the state on the floor. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's I like need to get Berlin, at reading the room. Ber, ber, yeah, I would. Yeah, Berlin. It's like Berlin, Berghain, four a.m. <laughs> I would love to go to Berlin one day. <laughs> exactly. Berlin's great. That's like that. That I don't. I've never understood that type of music. Just personally, um, as you well, can like my my stuff. My album's like an organic house album. It's like a mm -hmm. very like yeah. And it's also like using Persian lyrics, which was kind of a unique. Mm -hmm. Really. I love, yeah, the touch of Arabia you do in your music. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I can tell because we hear a lot of Arabic music and stuff, and so you can hear the influences. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I love music. I love Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> is Bitcoin safe? What do you think about Bitcoin? I mean, Bitcoin has a reputation for being sketchy. Not sketchy, but maybe used for bad reasons, maybe used for... Um, that it's fluctuating, you know, it's not stable. These are the reputation. The price of volatility is the the price volatility is definitely a real thing to 
consider and for it to be a true monetary asset it cannot have the fluctuations it's having so i think we're just at a very early stage of the currency and over time it will stabilize um, and just look at the long-term effects right i think that one of the comparisons i like to make is like your growth as a human being is like the price of bitcoin there's a bunch of volatility to how you feel throughout the months but ultimately like Hopefully you're moving in the right direction and staying positive throughout the years. And that's what I think Bitcoin does over time. It's, it, it all ends up in one direction. And as adoption continues to increase, the more effective it will be for the world. Um, in terms of safe, I, I don't know how to like give context of safety. I don't know what's, what, 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 what is a safe thing I could proxy to, to say it is safe. Like mm-hmm. nothing's really safe. Like not the bank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the exactly. bank's not like if you live in. I mean, I just read in like Lebanon, they're like, don't allow yeah. you to take any money out of the bank. Like, was that safe? I don't know. No, maybe. Um, no. so you're, you know, dollars, dollars and currencies being, de- you know, inflated everywhere around the world. Is that safe? I don't know. Probably not. <sighs> I just think the fiat system generally has like broke the back of savers, and that's, I think it's really fucked up. I think it's made everyone an investor. And some people don't want to be an investor. Like I, I personally think I'm not the greatest investor, but I have to, to preserve my capital. And I think that's a fucked up way to think about the world. Wow. Like if I just want to like leave my money in a bank account and not spend it, but then every year I lose 10% of its value and over 10 years I lose hundred percent of its value. I think that's a fucked up way to run the world. And you're basically like inflation is theft. It's theft at scale. So I have a question on, on this point. We all, I always hear that um, wealthy people don't have uh, cash on hand or you know money in their bank accounts because they're just their money is mainly in assets. How do they buy shit? Like how how do how do they buy like how do they pay buy their house? How do they buy their groceries? They go to expensive restaurants. What exactly are you paying with? Is it just credit or what's going on? Um, How do you spend your money, man? Oh, man. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't spend. I don't. I don't spend a lot of money. I'm, okay. I'm pretty prudent. I'm pretty prudent. Um, you know, my that rent on my house is like four grand a month, so it's like very minimal, not too fancy. I'm in a small place in Austin, Texas, so um, I think that. If you, I mean, for the daily stuff, you just spend it on a credit card and pay it off every month. And that's what I do. I mean, I don't, I don't, to me, how do they do it? A lot of, from what I hear, if you have assets, you can take loans on your assets, you contain lines of credit. And then as those assets increase, pay off the lines of credit. Um, you know, if you have, if you own a lot of equities, you just take a loan on those equities. And that's how like people that have billions, that's how they do it. If they have like, they own parts of publicly traded companies that are worth billions of dollars, a bank will give you a loan on those equities oh, as their wow. assets. And then if the assets go under too much, they, they, they uh, sell the assets cause they own them and you do something like that. But yeah, there's not a lot of day to day. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, if you think about like major spending, like 
chicken is chicken and and milk like the the gallon of milk i buy is the same gallon of milk that elon musk buys it's not, there's no difference in, like it, it's not like they're charging him more because he's worth billions it's the same thing um which i think is you know not that it's fucked up but it's that's just how it works mm-hmm. so it's not yeah, it's not a I've, lot i've heard that where what's it called the richest people in the world are actually some of the people with the biggest debt in the world because they're just constantly taking loans on loans and they take loans to pay off loans and they just keep yeah they have they have debt but they have assets it's not like they're yeah like the problem is the other side of is like yes they have a lot of debt but they also own a lot of assets that's what people forget to say the the brokest people are the people that have a lot of debt and have no assets (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's fair wow well, Justin, what are you doing to keep yourself? Um, you said you wanted to do good for the world. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about benevolent dictatorships. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the historically issues with dictatorships is ego, power, the human psychology turning against itself. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? And that's something I'm always trying to do. You know, how how do you keep yourself in check to make sure you're doing good actions as opposed to doing something that could cause harm? Constant reflection, good friends. Those two things. Constant reflection. And how, do you re- how do you reflect? What do you, how do you reflect? How do you make people feel? People will not remember how much money you made People will not remember the companies you sold. People will not remember the number of jets you had or the number of boats you owned or how big your house was. People will simply remember how you made them feel. That's how it always works. Mm -hmm. And if you make Mm -hmm. someone feel good and reflect on that, you probably live a good life. So I often reflect lately, how do I make people feel? Wow. And uh, how do you make good friends? Be of service. You must be of service. To be oven in service. That's the way you make good friends. All right. And I have my last question here. Uh, who is Satoshi Nakamoto? I think, I don't know, but my assumption is, I'm writing an article about this right now, is that if you look at old philosophy, very old philosophy. And if you read a book called The Kabbalion, there's a mythical character called Hermes or Hermes Trismegistus or in Egyptian mythology, Thoth. Or it's the same character that plays out in every epoch of society. Um, I think Satoshi Nakamoto is a modern manifestation of Hermes. And I think it's a modern manifestation of Thoth, the knowledge bearer of ancient Egypt. And he, it, whatever, has come and given us this thing as an idea for human society to flourish and move forward. That's what I think who Satoshi Nakamoto is. I feel like uh, the way you describe them actually reminds me of the wisdom of Solomon, more likely. Sure. Sure. Like the the energy of Solomon for sure. Yeah. 
I would read The Kabbalion. The Kabbalion's a good book. It's like Hermetic Principles, right? Mm-hmm. Like generally, Hermetic Principles are great. Mm-hmm. My, Is that can anything I, else? Yes, my mm-hmm. final question. Um, when visiting Egypt, do you prefer the Sphinx or the Pyramids? Oh, the Pyramids definitely had a... Um, inside the King's Chamber, we had this really intense ceremony. Yeah. And it was like way more intense than being... In, the Sphinx is cool to like see, but the, the experience was inside the King's Chamber. And we were doing some... Like, like I was like chanting like wah, 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 wah. <laughs> like, like, and the, the crazy... I don't know if you've ever been in this room, but the way the acoustics work inside the King's Chamber is that it's just a four-wall small little hole granite rock thing and the way like when you just like sit there close your eyes and you're just like and the reverberation with that experience inside of these walls moving and then you start adding like annotations of like wall 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 and it's just it was made to sing it. And that was a very powerful, I think there's going to be, there's probably going to be someone that's going to release a podcast soon about what we did in that room. Cause <laughs> a lot of my, some of my friends and investors have quite big podcasts and I think they're going to tell the story of what happened in that room. And um, yeah, it was, it was epic. That was like such an amazing capstone. Cause we went to like 10 different sacred sites in 10 days. It was, it was incredible. I had like so much credit to Daybreaker and my friends, Rada and Eli and like such a blessing for that trip. It was probably one of the most ex- like exciting experiences of my life. Incredible. This was, this has been an exciting experience for us as well. Meeting you and talking to you. <laughs> oh, thanks man. You. This was fun. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate you brother. Yeah, Hope Justin. this was helpful. Uh, Hope this was lot. helpful. It was Thanks it for was. the Satoshis. Yeah, exactly. I'll be using <laughs> on Zion. Can't, yeah, can't of course. wait to use it. Yeah, awesome. And you got 10K, uh, bro. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Unapologetic freedom. Check it out. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bonnie. Thank you for your time. Uh, Said, you want to sign up? Appreciate you guys. This was fun. Appreciate you guys. Guys, you just heard it from the best Justin Rizvani. Decentralizes your lives. Come on and join Zion.